Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. Those are the guys. This is the Community Pub. You can find HyperClean on, uh, well, most platforms under HyperClean Store. Or, hey, go to your app or Play Store and download the HyperClean Store app. It's a great way to interact with HyperClean. Hey, tonight I am drinking. Wow, that smells. Wow, very, uh, very interesting. This is from Hop Culture. This is a giant quart, 32 ounces of So Basic Pumpkin that it, I think when Mark sent it to me, asked me if I like stouts. So i pretty sure if I dive into this, this is going to be a pumpkin stout. And yeah, it's dark. It's dark. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Thanks, Mark, for sending me another beer. This is wonderful. I'm excited to drink it. Hop Culture Brewing Company. Thanks so much, man. Derek, what are you sipping on tonight? Um, I'm kind of got a mishmash of beer tonight. I didn't get a chance to get to the liquor store. So I got Canada of the Cape May, uh, their Oktoberfest. And believe it or not, a bottle of a good old Bex. Bex? No, I, I know. <laughs> One of Dana's friends brought it over and I'm just like, it's in the back. I got to drink it. So, but no IPAs tonight, like just regular. I, I don't remember what a Bex tastes like. Is it just a regular lager? It is, yeah, like a, it's, it is better than like a Coors Light, but it's like a regular old lager. It's like nothing too fancy, not special, but it's not terrible. Yeah. All right. Pops, Antonio Pops, auto detail, man. Thanks for hopping on tonight. Good to see you on the community pub. What's cracking, hey, man? What are you sipping on? Uh, actually, the Hornitos seltzer, tequila seltzer. Mm. Okay. And? We had a we had a Halloween party what, two weeks ago, or whatever, and sleep probably over four cases of it. So that's not my responsibility to finish up. It's pretty good. I'm a tequila guy, so it, it has an agave taste, which is nice. Um, it has most of the flavors: the pineapple, passion fruit, lime, and citrus. So the flavors of margaritas, if you know. So Wonderful. It tastes more like a dumped down margarita. Pretty good, actually. Huh. All right, we'll have to try. Yeah, I, I like Hornitos. It's a good, it's good tequila. Derek, you was that you that sent oh, yeah. me the uh, the Truly one? There's, I guess, Truly has now come out with one, right? Yeah, they have a, a like a, a sparkling like vodka now, like a vodka seltzer. Um, it's, it's pretty very good. good. Yeah, yeah the one pretty the good. one I had tasted just like Jolly Ranchers, uh, and my wife looks at me and she goes, "We got to get these because she liked them. She said they tasted pretty good." That was the first time I had them. Yeah. My fiance loves the truly stuff, man. It's one of those things we've, we've kind of locked in between the vodka. They just make their own vodka now. Yep. A little too sugary for me personally. Um, but the seltzers are pretty good. And they have margarita seltzers too, so a bunch of different kinds. That's well, impressive. I, I haven't seen that they have their own vodka now. So good for them. Yeah. It's like I said, I'd recommend, you know, small doses. It's, it's full of sugar. So it's not that, it doesn't taste that great if you, know, if you don't like sweet stuff. So. Oh, so is it a flavored vodka, or you just mean what he was talking about, right. where they've got vodka in their right. seltzer? So they have vodka in their seltzers. They have a vodka seltzer now, but then they also have their own, like, liquor. And their liquor is, like, 
you know, pineapple, mango, passion fruit. And I'm like, well, you know, I can just have the juice and it tastes better to me than just a regular vodka because it's way too diluted and too sugary. But, uh, mm, yeah. I get into too much vodka. It's dry. It's dry. I can't, I can't. I, the other night, the other day, I grabbed yeah. uh, some vodka just for the hell of it. And uh, I was drinking it and I got home and I was like, oh, damn, I got a headache. Like, I'm dry. Like, yeah. just vodka for uh, me. No, is just I don't like vodka, gin, and that stuff. Yeah. But vodka was the very first yeah. shot, the very first thing of liquor I ever tasted. The very first alcohol was a shot of vodka. <laughs> I still remember that burn. I was at, uh, of course. A, a baseball warehouse. I played a competitive baseball team. I had our own warehouse and they had everything for us as kids. And then for the adults, I had a little bar. Well, when you're a right. teenage boy, you know, sometimes you, uh, you do you, things, you right. Slip and, and, uh, you slip and fall, you know, you, you, yeah. trip and you, you <laughs> end up on a wagon somewhere. You never know. Exactly. <laughs> I still remember that burn going, wow. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cooking with Nick. Good to see you back on, man. I did you get everything fixed, or did you just get a new car? I mean, what what'd you do? So, okay, for those who don't know, the mini blew up. Um, I sent a route through both ends of the block. It is what it is. Long story short, we're gonna uh, we're gonna build the mini's engine. And it's gonna take a minute. It's gonna take like three to four months. Um, talking with my tuner in Detroit, um, we're gonna get a custom engine, like fully built up, sent to the machine shop built out internals um strengthened up and get that sent down here um it's gonna take like three to four months so in the meantime i bought a daily about an alpha julia uh ti all-wheel drive blue on brown sport appearance package and it's at carvana waiting on a seat switch once that gets fixed it gets delivered to me all right, so Ooh. how was how was your uh, how was your Carvana, Carvana experience? We were starting to play around on there, and I had too many people give me horror stories. Say, get away from there; they just take old cars and you know, kind of rinky them back together. So, what, what was your what was your experience? Um, buying like actually buying the car, like actually going through the process of uploading documents and getting all that, was really easy. Um, but they kept shuffling around with the delivery date. And then I, I had the delivery date set for the fifth. And then they texted me out of the blue on like the second saying, your delivery date has been rescheduled to the 20th and didn't tell me why. So I hmm. called them and they were like, a feature stopped working. We got to fix it and wouldn't tell me why. So I had to escalate to like a manager and was like, look, I'm going to go take my money somewhere else. Um, you got to tell me what's going on with the car or I'm just going to like go somewhere else. They finally told me what was going on. Um, it's been a bit finicky, but I'm hoping the car is in decent shape. The pictures look okay um, from what I can tell, but if that car looks get, like a piece of crap, then... Hard, hard to get that used salesman uh, <laughs> blood out of anybody selling used cars, I guess. Uh, Man. Hmm, tough deal. All we'll right, let's jump like. in. Let's jump into one of the topics for the night. Uh Cause I'm looking forward to some of these discussions and these are, these are random things that I've noticed in some detailing groups. Want to know your guys take on it's a couple different ones that, uh, that I'm looking forward to hearing what your guys answers are. And everybody, uh, listening in play along, you know, feel free to go to the Hyperclean specialist group on Facebook, interject your comments there. It'll be fun to see 
because this first one is, uh, I mean, it is pretty dear to me coming out as a, in waterless. I developed waterless and put out my first waterless product in uh, 2008. We got in Whole Foods, got in some local grocery stores, really pushing out uh, that product back then. And I never could go over to the rinseless style of washing. I always stayed a traditional waterless all the way up until very recently with the release as we came out with the HyperClean Versatile. And for me, the reason why I never could get out of rinse, get into rinseless is I never could use that, that sponge. I kept seeing everybody using a sponge and rinseless washing. I just go, no way. I, I, I just, I couldn't do it. For those of you that have been in detailing for, for a while, you remember at one point in time, people use sponges. Now, randomly, we'll see it here and there now with, you know, traditional foam washing people. Sometimes you'll randomly see it. But for me, that's how I got started. It was the very first thing that was the only thing you get. It wasn't until later that we got wash mitts, really, in a sense. And everybody just used a sponge. So when it came time for rinseless and I started seeing people use a sponge, I go, there's no way in hell I'm using a sponge. I gave up sponges years and years ago. I'm not going back. So for me, that was one, that was a process that I always thought that was, well, it made me laugh and made me go, there's hell no way I'm doing that. So curious from you guys, all right? We'll start with Derek. Antonio, we'll go over to you, Lucas, Dustin, Nick, and everybody will get around the room. Derek, man, what's a process that... Uh, that you've always thought that was just kind of odd and never stuck with you could have been mainstream. And it's not, a really doesn't matter. Right. Like my opinion on rinseless and a sponge was my opinion, even though there was thousands of people doing it, I just couldn't do it. What was yours? Um, if I'm going to be hundred percent honest, it was probably Please. the two bucket, probably the two bucket wash method. Um, I don't really, I mean, I don't really use it in my business now. It's, I use a couple of mitts usually and I'll wash the car. I still have a separate mitt, obviously, for the bucket I and mean, for the wheel bucket. But when I first started, I did it where you had like your, your clean water and you're doing it. It just was a whole thing. And I had a, you carry all the buckets around and then I got the little wheels and the casters and I was following all the cars around. And then the camera, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. So I stopped. Really stopped doing it, um, but it's it's funny. Like I, some of the videos I've posted, I still have people will post like, "Oh, well, you got to make sure you dunk your your mitt or whatever." And if, if you know you're if you're washing up here, you gotta you gotta do mitt and then go down to the bottom for another mitt and then this and that. I'm like, "Well, if you have 40 mitts, you can do the whole car, I guess." But you know, it's it's just kind of still wild to me. I'm just like shaking my head, like I guess these guys have never really detailed a car before, so it's like we're doing it as a business, so. Yeah, there was a, there was a comment along those lines that I thought was funny. I saw in a group one time that said, you know, if if you're doing <laughs> people using the two bucket wash technique are simply missing out on paint correction opportunities. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. All right, Antonio, what about you, man? What's some what's a random uh, thing for you that's a process you just never gotten gotten into good agreement with? So I probably more recent. I'm a lot younger. I haven't gotten into the business until about you know a year or two ago professionally. I would say like the like those pre-soap soaps. So you know what I mean? Like so mm -hmm. like, like CarPro makes reset, right? Yeah. I use CarPro reset on cars. That other product, what is it? CarPro, whatever it's whatever it is. You know what I mean? It has like Lift, the yeah. cleaning properties to it. I don't have time. I don't have lift. Yeah, I, whatever it is. I don't have time to like 
foam a car five times before I'm washing it, you know? <laughs> and if I had the car for a weekend, maybe I would, but my, my clients, I mean, uh, this is like everybody else. You always want to do those cars that are like not terribly beat up, but if they really are just a good thorough, just like Nick always says, a good thorough pre-rinse before your phone will be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never noticed those soaps really do anything for me. Um, I've bought them. They're wildly expensive for my business. They're kind of unnecessary. And then you shoot soap on it. You walk away. I text away. And I send a, send a video. I make a phone call. I'm like, oh, time to go rinse my soap off so I can film it again to wash it again. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, and I mean, I've gotten I've gotten hate up and down. I've had clients here telling me, oh, you're not going to film it twice? And I'm like, I saw it in a video. I said, hey, man, with all due respect, your car is not necessary for this. And, you know, unless you want me here for an extra 25 minutes, I don't, you know, I got three more cars today. I can't have time to do that today, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I never understood that process. And well, I got a lot of hate for it. But like anything else, you just kind of put your head down and just work through it. But I think yeah, one foam soap and in your bucket and I'm kind of out the way. That's a good one. I I'm with you on that. I hyper clean cleanse. If I'm going to do hyper clean cleanse, I'm going to use hyper clean cleanse. I'm not going to hyper clean cleanse foam it, let it sit, then rinse it off and then use hyper clean foam wash. I, I'm with you. If, if I think I need to strip it and I need to, to be aggressive, I'm just going to aggressively use cleanse, right? right. I'm going to spray it. Just and I'm going to wash top, it. Right. Yeah. Right. Because because I could have I, I'm mobile I don't have a shop and one day of course I will but at this point I can't carry 15 gallons of soap it just doesn't make any sense for me you know like oh I'm gonna have two gallons this I have a bottle of cleanse and it works great but like you said if I'm using cleanse I'm using cleanse I'm using foam wash I'm using foam wash I'm not to use them both it doesn't make any sense it's an extra step and I'm on I'm team two bucket but only because that's the way I was taught I haven't really. You know, got stuck to move away, and I've gotten lazy once or twice on really clean cars. Dave, you're right, and I'm like, I'm not filming. Like, up, you know, when I do that, you know, like this car is not that bad. Yeah. What am I doing? So he made he made a great point. And then back to Marty on the rinseless. Um, my thing was the sponges never made sense. Like I was never taught to use a sponge. I was like, oh, these sponges are gonna kill your car, beat them up. And the the paint correction comment was kind of funny. You know, it's, oh, you have an opportunity for paint correction money. Was, my client wants paint correction. I'll ask for paint correction. I'm not gonna make that process. Um, I always use those, those um, like a bunch of microfiber towels. So like, you know, eight to 10 microfiber towels and I'm going to the car if I ever do a rinse this, but it's like, you know, one car out of 50, I'll maybe rinse this it, maybe. Anyway. Cool, man. Thanks, Antonio. Lucas, brother, uh, are you sipping on anything tonight? The OG, you already know. Uh, Shut up, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get it depending when you're drinking Natty Daddies and Bush Lake. Natty daddies. Woo. Lucas, what's a process uh, for you that you've always found uh, ironically irritating? A process I've always found irritating uh, in regards to rinseless or is this open to anything? Yeah, it's open to anything. So everybody check your chat. The group chat will have the different questions. So, yeah. Uh, gotcha. What have you found that some type of process that you think is funny or people that do that you don't exactly agree with? Uh. What comes to mind first is probably people that are detailing at the same price as what um, most detailers are at, but they don't have compressed air with them. I feel like to, you know, I've seen some pretty impressive work without compressed air, but it doesn't, I mean, the speed with which you're going to do it and the quality of everything from the carpets to the cracks, to the vents, to, I mean, you name it, everything, you're going to get 
such a better result in so much less time with compressed air and it's kind of a necessity that i don't see enough guys using and it's you know i mean it's an air charge. or a brush right so it's these i love that lucas i'm so glad you mentioned that i actually started i did a one video and i've got a couple more that i've been working on editing where it's talking about cleaning or doing things without something right like can you clean mm -hmm. a carpet without air or can you clean it without an extractor you know how to clean this area i had somebody that uh, when i put out that video of cleaning out those big letters on the grand wagoneer had somebody comment that uh you know oh you should just use a boar's hair brush and i'm like yeah but let's say you don't have a boar's hair brush right like let's say you don't have air how could you clean a car sir I'm with you. It is a thing, right? Is air or not air? Right. And it's also important to know how to do a full detail, whatever you need to do. If something like that happens, I was uh, doing a semi interior once and I was mobile for it and my air compressor decided to kill itself. It just blew up. Oh and uh, I was like, oh, shit. Well, I got to finish this. And all I had was my vacuum towels, brushes and interior cleaner. So I was like, let's get it done so i you know did the same process but just tried to suck it out and wipe it and then use a second brush to dry my cracks and it was it took a lot longer and it still looked decent but it wasn't you know i i don't know i just i'm a pretty firm believer in compressed air ever since i started using it it's just changed my entire life as a detailer same here yeah i like it all right what about dustin i think he's your uh your cousin from another grandmother, I think, is that, is that pretty much? Yeah. yeah, something like that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, process that drives me insane. <clears throat> oh, that's a tough one. Uh, yeah, the old sponge thing, uh, two bucket method probably drives me insane the most. Um, we try to change out soap a lot, but as it's starting to get colder, we're doing a lot more rinseless wash. Um, really like the, you know, having a bunch of towels in a bucket and that's a, that's the way that I kind of picked up from you guys. I don't know, two years Dustin, ago. I really thought you had, I really thought as much as you've been, we're in groups over the past years and, you know, seeing stuff that really bugs you. I really thought there was going to be something that was under your skin though, like deeper than that. And I try staying out of them. They, they, like us, especially over the last year, I try to stay out of them and only stick to, you know, our one group that has some good content in it. That's smart. Uh, yeah, I mean, the paint correction thing is what drives me, like chasing perfection, you know, always having to have the perfect one step before coating a vehicle, like just polish the damn thing and ship it out the door. <laughs> like, Make it look good, make it presentable, knock the oxidation off, and give them what they want. They ain't paying for show car quality all the time. All so, right, well. so if that's something that, that you know you feel fits. So are you on Bush Latte tonight or what? Uh I'm driving. I'm in Florida. Uh left West Virginia to oh, for the hurricane. I'm in Florida, so uh I'll be here for probably two three days in the back of your truck again no no uh so we're with a new a new vendor this time uh we have a nice hotel thank god <laughs> so uh i'm excited to get there 
I'll be there about 11 o'clock and uh, no, no truck this time or, uh, or RV buses. So that's great. Mm. Okay. Look at you. Nicely done. All right. Cooking with Nick. Uh, let's hear what's on the menu for tonight. You know, uh, and we're also curious, man. Uh, what, uh, what's the processes you find uh, that's ironically irritating as you've seen a bunch of people have different processes for cleaning cars. I'll start with the process. Um, I see videos like all over Instagram, Facebook, TikTok of people trying to show off a new wheel cleaner and they'll go up to a dry, dirty wheel, spray the cleaner on and just go to town, scrubbing at it, not pre-rinsing, nothing. Just spray the cleaner on, scrub, 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 scrub. And it could be a nice painted wheel and it comes out all scratched up on the back end. I love like my personal process is like I'll take whatever cleaner it is, let that sit on there and eat for a minute before I even rinse it off. Um, then I'll rinse that off, um, and then go back over it with <coughs> um, the cleaner and a brush, just to get as much as I can without having to agitate it. Yeah, makes sense. That's that's a good point. All right, so um, what's on the menu for tonight? Um, so you guys might've saw, I was, might've saw, um, I was in Chicago last week. We found in the yep. giant grocery store and I found squid ink pasta. Wait. Yeah. I gotta see this. I gotta see this. Squid ink pasta. It's black. Whoa. Apparently it tastes like the sea. So I got a bag of squid ink pasta and I want to make some kind of seafood squid ink pasta with it. I got tomatoes okay. seared up right now. I got shrimp about to go on. Um, I'm going to combine that all together and make a seafood squid ink pasta type thing. All right. Looking forward to seeing it. Antonio, are you a uh, you a pasta guy? You can chat on some pasta. Uh, I can eat pasta, but I'm you know I, you guys saw me at MTE. Bro. I'm, I have to lean down. I'm getting too damn big. Um, Every time, every time I go to the gym, I like lifting heavy. I just realized that, like, I need to lean down. So pasta, I got to stay away from breads, you know, the, the fun stuff. So, yes, you're right. hundred percent. I can, I'm Italian by, you know, trade, I guess you could say. I can eat, um, I Italian can eat by location. Italian by location. Last name. <laughs> I'm adopted. So my last name is Italian, but like my parents cook a cook pasta, chicken parm. It kills me. Oh, yeah. All homemade cheese. I mean, it's all locked in. Crazy stuff. Sign me up for that. I'm in. I'm in. For For me, I did get my weight under control. I saw a photo the other day. I had to go to the dentist again this afternoon because another tooth problem. And I randomly saw a photo on my profile and I went, holy shit, who's that? I mean, I had hair. That's how old it was. And then these huge cheeks. And I was like, oh, that's back when I weighed a, a, a cool 250. Cool 250. I mean, I was heavy for me. All right, so let's get into the next one. I, I like this one, too. This is a fun one because it is extremely practical that we uh, we do here on a regular basis. Joe Clean, good to see you, brother. Uh, glad to see you had a lot of fun out in SEMA and enjoying the life out there. But so let's go over this one, all right? It's it's basically the price objection. What is a price objection? We've all been in the situation where we quote a customer a price and they go, ooh, that's high. Now, I saw this uh, 
this comment in one of the groups and he was trying to, you know, basically had a prospect trying to get the, the detailer to do three to five cars every week. So three to five cars every week. And the detailer set out a number that the customer thought was dramatically high and wanted it to be half that. Right. How do you handle the price objection? This guy handled it by going, oh, we can't do it for that. There's inflation and inflation has hurt our business like so many other businesses. So his way of handling the price objection was to blame it on inflation. Okay, you know, I could see how you do it, but I didn't think he's going to close the deal off of inflation as the price objection. So let's go around the room because we've all had it. We've all had customers that have had a complaint about price. And so let's go around. How do you handle it when you have somebody that complains about a price? Derek. Uh, the only, I don't know, I was just crunching some numbers. And the only comment I was going to say is even if that guy was charging $60 for three to five cars, that's still 1200 bucks a month. That is an easy one day. And if he's just doing washes and wipe downs, because I charge 65 for maintenance washes. And I go to this guy's house and the same thing. I do three cars that he has. It's 180 bucks. And then I'm there for maybe three or four hours. And it's every month, once a month. So I have a guaranteed 180 bucks at least once a week. Cause I and then if I don't do if I do three of them, I'll come back next week and do the other one. So like, and I've coded all these vehicles. So I've made a lot of money off this one customer. So I'm with you. I'm with you. And that's, that's the way to do maintenance, but I don't want to yeah. dive into that yeah, too much. Yeah. It's more say, of just how do you handle price objections? Um, lately I've just been kind of telling customers like when I, when I quote a price, cause I don't know about you guys, but I have a lot of customers that will reach out to get coatings. And my first thing I tell them to do is go to my website and check my pricing. And if they're able to do the work to go check the pricing and they don't text me back, I just assume that they're good. Cause I usually have someone else waiting in the, in the, the back that will pay what I want to get the car done. But I've had had customers that when I get there, they'll try to beat me down on the price. And when he started talking about, you have to drive the car, I don't really hit with the inflation and stuff and the price and costs and stuff. I was just like, well, I just try to emphasize the convenience especially because I'm mobile, me coming all the way to their house. I got all my stuff. And when they see all of my stuff, they're like, oh man, this guy's really coming out here. So then usually I don't have a problem, but I try to nip it in the bud before I even get there where I have objections. Like if you don't, if you don't, if you're okay with this, this is what the starting price is. If, if you don't, if you can't afford the starting price, then we're not even, I'm not even covered. Like there's not going to be a, an argument really. So I don't, I don't go, I don't try to give it like, oh, it's inflation, this, this and that. Cause, um, I usually don't even get to that point usually. Cool. Thanks, man. Antonio, customer prospect that complain about the price you quoted. How do you handle that? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I'm kind of like what Nick was saying, or what Derek was saying. Where it's a lot like I try, I try to explain to them, like, hey, like this is what I'm doing. I'm coming to you. Um, sorry, my fiance is calling me. Anyway, um, so. Yeah, no, like I said, I really, I'm coming to you. This is what I have. I have all my stuff with me. And I make my route a certain way on purpose. So that this is what my prices can be for us, you know? The biggest thing is, I mean, Joe Clean, you know, 
out of the city of Tampa, man, it's so big. So like I could be in South Tampa, they want me in Clearwater. I was like, hey man, like that's the price that I charge for the gas to get there. You know, it's just the way it is. And a lot of your clients, when you talk to them at a normal level, when you blame it on inflation and blame it on all this stuff, you can you can blame the wind, you know, what whatever. It's you tell them, hey, like I charge, you know, say Derek, sixty dollars for a maintenance wash, eighty dollars for this. That's just the way it is, you know. And then most of my clients are like, oh damn. Well, I think we lost you, Antonio. All right, let's hop over to. Oh, all right, you're cutting. I got to put you on mute, man. Apologies. Your phone's breaking up real heavy. All right, Lucas, brother, what about you, man? How do you handle price objections? Um, uh, I think it's important in situations like this to have a couple different package options. So uh, if someone objects to a price for something they're looking for, I usually have a lower tier package or different options for them that won't necessarily hamper my profitability, but we'll give them a few more options to choose from at different price points. And following that model, I really don't have too many price objections just by offering a two-tiered system with two different service levels. Um, and um, I mean, I guess call me whatever you want. My prices aren't negotiable. Great. Someone, Hold on. Even let's, after let that, me, I got a dictionary. Give me one second. I'm going to look up some really great things to call you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, my, my, my logic is you don't go into Walmart, get a bag of groceries and then try and argue with the guy at checkout about the price. I mean, he's going to say, listen, man, the price is what it is. It's take it or leave it. And I, my, my two tier system offers an option for people that are looking for more of a, a quick clean or something a little cheaper. And I have a, a more in-depth one that offers a full interior, exterior, whatever. And those are obviously different price points for a reason. And it seems to work out pretty good. And uh, if someone doesn't want everything for the same price as my basic packages, then I'm sorry. I guess it's not going to work. You know, you know where I'm at. If, uh, yeah, that's kind of what it is. I don't negotiate really. And um, I don't have too many objections. So I guess that that kind of works for me. Yeah. Well, your way of handling the objection is to have multiple options, right? Like, Right, yeah. Uh Dustin, what about you, man? You got a customer or a prospect that is saying your price is too high. How do you handle that objection? So um I actually seen that post that you were talking about. Yeah, that made me laugh a little bit. Um, so anytime we get somebody, it usually goes like this. We tell them their price, and they're like, whoa, oh my goodness. Well, so and so over over here in this other part of town does it for does it for this, and I, and I actually ran into this the other day, and I told her, "Hey, well, that's a great deal. Uh, heck yeah, if you can get it for that price, you should totally you know get on his schedule because it was like a fraction of what we charge." And uh, she responds back, "Well, he's booked out till December." Okay, <laughs> well, can't help you there. Um, but we ran it. We had a price shopper this morning. He called, gave him a price. He was asking for a, you know, if we offered any discounts after I told him the price and I, you know, pulled the, I, I like to use this method, which I picked up from the Orbis X podcast. And it was, we don't offer discounts, but for first, first responders and veterans, we do offer an added value 
to have your windshield ceramic coated. And uh, so, yeah, so that's kind of how we locked him in, just adding that value. And it takes us five minutes to put a glass coating on. Easy money. And that usually seals the deal. That's that's worked out very well for us. All right. So what you're doing is you're adding in something for the customer instead of giving a discount, you throw in something for free to help get them to see the value of spending the money. Absolutely. Cause I mean, if I give 10% off of a, you know, $300 package, it's, you know, what, what's gonna, what's gonna be more beneficial for us. I can give the customer a $49 value for windshield coating, or I can cut my profits and, you know, give them 10% off. I'd rather give them a, a greater value and we only invest five minutes of our time to put the glass coating on. And yeah, I mean, your cost as a business is dramatically less by giving the product away versus cutting your throat with the money. Bingo. And, and anytime you give a discount, somebody's hassling you about a discount, you go into the job with a bad taste in your mouth anyways. Um, so I don't like doing that. You know, I've made those mistakes over the years and this is just, it's so much better. I mean, so I just take every bit of, you know, education I can off of these podcasts and uh, just apply them to our business. But um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I like to do. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. All right, Mr. Joe Clean. I know you get people that uh, will question prices. Uh, your typical response is what you told me. You just send them over to Antonio. But let's say you don't want to send that prospect over to Antonio. What would be your way of handling the price objection? Well, first off, I don't, I don't get calls. That's because I don't answer calls. I get invoices to go and do the work. All right, because I don't answer the business phone. But once I get there, because they either didn't take pictures of the areas that were their main concerns, or the car was worse than what they're basically showing, before we give them a quote. And since we give a we get a twenty five dollar uh, deposit, I drive out there for the twenty five dollars. If they don't get the work, twenty five dollars for my gas. But I would let them know bullet points bullet points is what we do for our 160 and if they say that is too well they already know it's 160 so that means i went up on the price why it's 250 it's 250 because of this or 225 because of this now if we don't do your outside we make and do it for 199 you know what i mean something like that it's almost like my prices are my prices but like uh luke said we will drop them down to something that they can't afford. And then I also say, yeah, there are some people that cannot afford our services. Here's what I'll do for you. I detail it now for this price. In a month, month and a half, it'll be this price. Ongoing from there, which I give to everybody. You do it at 160 first, and then we do it for $100 once a month. So I make it sound like a discount. Okay. So that's my selling point because I give a bullet point situation. So basically, in a sense, I think it, I think the marketing, you know, philosophy behind that is when somebody asks, well, how much is your detail? Right. One way to answer that question isn't to answer the question. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
right? <laughs> you don't answer it by going, well, the details $59 or the details 250, whatever you said, right? The way you answer the question is, well, the detail comes with, which is mm -hmm. what you were saying, right? And you lay in all the different stuff that the detail comes with. And that comes to a total of such mm -hmm. and such, which then yep. is the way what gives you the ability to go in and change things if they have the, that objection, I think is what you were saying. Is that right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because I tell them my price point is based on travel time, based on being mobile, based on everything. But you get more for your money that I'm out here. I wouldn't want to come and do a $5 wash for you because it's not cost effective for any one of us. But if I can give you all this plus more for this 160, you know what I mean? We are yeah. meeting each other halfway because I okay. start breaking stuff down. Okay. That's another great way. And there's, this is called the if when, right? Okay. Or no, if, and then, if I can meet what you're asking for prospect, then can we make a deal today? Which is at my 160, which is my price. Yep. So, so it's the if, then, and it gets the person to go ahead and, okay, then this is really the objection. If it's not really price that they are having an issue with, at that point in time, they will actually then share what the real objection is. So whatever they've shared for your point, price, okay, well, if I can do it for this 225, including all this other stuff, then will you get it handled today and you'll pay cash right at this moment? That gets them to say yes or no. I somewhat do that, but mine is basically because I got a deposit from them is either basically a take it or leave it in a very, very professional way because I know I have their $25 and a lot of people don't want to lose $5. So if they're serious, they already paid the 25. So when I give them a price and that's the price and I look them with this, I always learn, I'll teach people and this is what I learned. Whatever price you can say with a straight face and continue to keep eye contact and you're comfortable with that price, people, they'll be the first to flinch and they'll end up paying your price or let me walk over that $25. Nobody wants to do that. I thought you were going to say smile, show those pearly whites. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Whatever, there happens. We go. <laughs> Whatever happens, happens. But yeah, keep eye contact and let them know your price. Be firm and very, very professional. And nine times out of 10, somebody spent $500 and they started with 160 just because, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, handling objections, agreed. Lucas, you got your hand up, what's up, man? Another thing that really helps with uh, pricing and stuff like that, uh, I reset all my prices, I don't know, probably six months ago when I started with a new marketing company. Um, and they told me that one of the most powerful, the two most powerful words when setting your prices online is the word starting at. So you don't list your package as, a hundred dollars for this I always say prices starting at one hundred dollars that leaves it open-ended so that you you can raise your price after you see the car or once you figure something out there it leaves it open-ended so you're not uh so the people feel comfortable but then they also know that that's not necessarily going to be the final price okay okay that's good advice thanks so much all right, Corey, I know you said you're driving. Is that something you want to chime in on? Yeah, I mean, what uh, he was saying about starting at, everything that I have listed on my website is starting at. So that way I can play around a little bit and then okay. tell people, hey, if you 
And then ceramic coatings, I just start everything with one steps. And then if you want to go further than that, and that's still the starting at price, we'll go further if you want to go further. Okay. So how do you overall handle price objection? It's that way, or do you have, is that your, is that your way really, of doing it? Or do you have right an now, actual I had process? That problem that much. Most people, they look at the price, this and that, and they're like, all right. How, and then I just, my question to them is how far you want to go? Well, what gets me, what gets me that starting at price? This is what I'll do. And they're like, okay, that's fine. Just do that then. And I'm like, all right, cool. I haven't really had anyone object or most of the time it's just, all right, I'll do the the lower package. I won't do the, you know, the higher or middle package. What can I get for this price? And I'm like, you can get this, this, and that. And they're like, all right, that's fine. So usually I don't have, it's not the objection. It's more or less, all right, I have 200 bucks. What do I get for 200 bucks? And then I just explain it. So, I mean, if they got the money to do whatever, I mean, I'm at least, I'll be here to at least give you something. So. I like it. That's the way you handle it, right? You make yourself yeah. available for what their budget is. Yeah. yeah. Cool. like it. All right. John from Ride and Shine. Good to see you in the pub, man. Now, how do you handle price objections if somebody tells you that your price is too high? Um, frankly, I don't give a shit anymore. Um, I now am to a point where ooh, <laughs> price is the price. And, um, for instance, I just had a client today that she explained everything that was wrong, not every, not anything that was right. She explained everything that was wrong. And I said, Oh, okay, great. I just did this exact same thing. I said, well, it starts at once 150. And she goes, Oh, well, what do you have less than that? And I said, well, what do you mean that? That is the basic. She's like, Oh no. What if I just want you to vacuum it? And everything she'd already explained, unless it miraculously jumped out of the car, I'm like, no, <laughs> it, it just didn't. So I flat out said, um, well, it's it's 75 to vacuum the car. And I said that because I just recently got a reaming from a client that has barked at me for two years saying, you need to change your prices. You need to change your prices. And that's it. And then no matter what. It needs to be you, what you're comfortable, like Joe said, what you're comfortable with looking him in the eye and telling them, but also what you're comfortable with saying it's okay if they walk away. Um, that's how I, I finally have just changed the mindset where I'm like, no, I don't care. Um, the price is the price and we can all pull the card of, oh my gosh, we're all going through hard times. I don't give a shit. You don't stop smoking. You don't stop drinking. You don't start doing the things you want. And if we are a luxury service, if you are asking for our services, we're giving you our professionalism, at least you should be. And when we do, and I try to adjust to help you and you're not even willing to bark at it because I got down to her price and I said, okay, well, we can fit you in. If we do it today, do you want to go ahead and do it this afternoon? Well, I don't know, 75 is a lot. Let me talk to my husband. And I Ooh. never heard back from her and I was okay. I moved on. So you've got to be okay with saying the price is the price. You have earned the pricing word is yes. Obviously adjust your prices daily of what you're doing and where you're at and stuff like that. But realistically, we're a business. My client has told me multiple times, you're not a freaking charity. Stop acting like one. Stop being the walkout, you know, just, just yeah, the if, be comfortable. Yeah. Right. Yep. You're doing the if then, yep. which we talked. Yeah, man, I love it. But if and it so, doesn't work, be comfortable with saying well, it's okay. Yeah, that's the point. It makes them choose. 
right? Like, if we can do what you're asking for, then and we do it today, then are we ready to proceed? It puts it on them. Yes. Puts it on them. Yeah. And she skated, which is what you're wanting to do. Let's get to the point of agreeing on the business or disagreeing on the business. So well done, John. Well done. What's going on out there in uh, Phoenix, man? Uh, everybody else is starting to get cold. I guess you guys, do you ever get cold or does it just stay beautiful weather every, every No, God knows. Today it has been raining off and on. If you, it, is, it has been miserable uh, off and on. I, I, I literally washed the same Jeep twice um, because it rained. Finally, I just said, screw it. I'm coming back this afternoon. Um, yeah, no, that's the thing is, is out in the desert, it gets that 32 degrees very, very easily. Um, and come November 1st, it drops from the 75 degrees down to the 40 degrees at night. So it, I didn't give the de desert the respect it deserved. And I learned very, very quickly. It gets very cold. We just don't get the snow. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Derek. Um, I, you know, we we're talking about you know, objection to, uh, objections on prices and stuff, but um, I'm sure you guys have seen it. But like in a lot of the forums, you'll see guys will post, like customers will text them for like uh, a full interior, for instance. You know, and I'll, they'll show pictures of the car with that bad, and like their their price will be like you know four or five hundred dollars just to do the interior. And then you'll see comments like, "Oh, know your worth," blah blah blah. And then I'm just like reading these comments, and I'm like. I don't, I don't know. It just, it always seemed like the, the price. I mean, I know every market's different, but like, you know, if someone's charging, like it's, if the interior is not that bad, like I have a different interior price for an interior that's bad. Like if I show up to a customer's house and like I said, I have a starting price for my interior package and then the, the picture that they send me and I'm like, okay, well, I already know it's going to be more and I'll tell them the price of the car up front. But like some of these guys are, well, I'm not touching on a car for 400 bucks for just the interior. And that doesn't even include the outside. And I'm just like, wow, like, but then they'll complain that they didn't get the job, that they didn't do anything that day. So I don't, it's, it, it is a struggle. I just want your guys' thoughts on it if you've seen that. I think there's a lot of, yeah. Every day. Yeah. Every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right. So let's move on to the next question. But I'll, I'll close out that with listen, whenever you get an objection, objections are always part of a sales process. So to get frustrated and upset about an objection, just go back and do some more homework on how to overcome objections. Get yourself personally out of the situation. It's not a personal thing. One of the things I had to learn in sales is realize that when somebody says no, it's not personal, right? So don't take it personal. I think there's a problem that a lot of, a lot of detailers have is take it personal, which is why you see them venting online, right? They're venting because they took it personal. Don't take it personal business right people that say no it's because they don't know enough they don't know enough because when somebody has an objection a very good professional salesman will learn how to handle the objection if you want to know what to say a good book that you could go listen to or read whichever you want to i'd like to listen it's called exactly what to say by phil m jones Hit me up on Instagram at HyperCleanStore. If you want me to send you the link to Audible, I can. No problem. But that book goes through exactly what to say and a lot of objections and a lot of sales stuff. So really great information for people to go listen to. The if then is in that, right? So he goes over all different things to say. If then is a very powerful close on handling an objection. 
All right, let's go over to the last question. This will be a quick one before we get to Derek's tab out question. And this is almost more one of those funny, ironically funny ones that please don't go on for 10 minutes. Just give us a funny answer because it's just crazy when people ask this, right? You see it in groups all the time and I just roll my eyes like everybody else, but it's a question that everybody asks on a regular basis. Quote unquote, looking to expand my business. What do I do? <laughs> right? Derek, looking to expand my business. What do I do? Hire some more people. <laughs> That's, if I hired a few more people, I could have people working for me while I'm working my other job. So if you're working, I'd expand crazy from there. Antonio, looking to grow your business. What do you do? Got the question before, man, from friends. I would say marketing uh, online. Social media, huge. Lucas. So the first thing you want to do is get yourself in as much debt as you possibly can. (laughs) (laughs) And then while you're worried about paying off this 2000 a month payment for this business loan, and you got this big grand business with no customers, then you focus on getting customers. All right. Words of wisdom from Lucas. <laughs> Go get in massive debt, and then you'll have to figure it out under the pressure. Back against the wall. Yeah. Okay. Dustin Stanley from West Virginia might be similar to you since he's a cousin from another grandmother. That's right. Uh, yeah. I personally like having my back against the wall every now and then because it get, it, it reignites that fire. Um, but the way that I expanded my business was I got more uh, real estate and I hired some people and I added on some more services. So rather than just doing the strict, you know, full-blown details and ceramic coatings, like Lucas said earlier, we have two tier options, stage one and stage two for everything that we have. Um, And that allows for a different group of people, the people with newer cars that aren't dirty, they just need basic cleans, you name it. So hire some people, make sure you get the workload, make sure you get the room and uh, got the vehicles rolling in. That's all there is to it. Goddamn simple over there in West Virginia. I'd say we all moved to West Virginia. Easy life West, over there building business. West by God. No, you can't move to my town because I done run everybody out. By God. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Well, Derek, we know half the time he's down in Florida, so it'll be all right. <laughs> this is becoming my second home for uh, you know for this fall season. My goodness, I've seen enough of it. I could drive it without a GPS. <laughs> Joe oh, Clean's God. starting to get nervous how much you're down there in Florida. He's like, oh, yeah. shit. I'm going to have to swing by Joe Clean's shop. Are you going to be back for Mobile Tech, Dustin? Uh, yeah. 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 I, don't, yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. All right. My, my guys want to go. <laughs> I don't blame them. I don't blame them. I'm down for going to Orlando and partying. That's a great place. Oh, yeah. Cooking with Nick, man. How did that, uh, what'd you call it? Something squid die? Squid eat pasta? Squid eat pasta. How does it taste? Delicious. Does it have like a fishy taste or is it just Mm. pasta that's black? Almost like scallops. Oh, okay. It's good. Um, highly recommend it. Joe Clean, you ever had any squid dye pasta? Squid ink pasta? 
I mean, so interesting. I had calamari. I mean, that's oh, not close, ooh. but you know. <laughs> well, no, he that's what I'm talking like about. It looks good. I try. I'm with, I'm with Joe on the calamari. Dude, I am too. I love me it's some good. calamari. Absolutely. I can't eat fried foods, but if I see calamari on the menu mm -hmm. and I'm not in Oklahoma, I'm in. I'm in. Mm. Yeah. Love it. Love some calamari. All right, Nick. It's underscore grooms that people want to check out your pasta, but we really want to know your input for somebody who wants to expand their detailing business. There's one magic key. Dustin pretty much told everybody how to do it, but you, know. you need people and you need the workload. That's it. Okay. And Simple. a space to do it. So Simple if you're mobile, in Tennessee people too. workload, uh, if you got a, if you got a space, uh, it, like if you already got the space and, and you have the space for more people and more cars, Increase your marketing, um, find a way to increase your demand and increase your capacity to take care of the demand. Cool. Love it. All right, Joe Clean, you recently expanded. I know you brought in some people. We've seen those. You posted some videos of people doing some work at your shop. Mm -hmm. You've uh, set out to expand your business over the past year plus. I mean, you've done vans. You've been... We've seen you on the podcast putting flooring on your van. You went into a shop and spent a lot of work in your shop. I mean, so I'm, I'm curious, right? Like somebody wants to expand their detailing business. It's a general question that we hear a lot, but what would be your answer? Um, first off, we're not just going to skip over that. You see it, but you don't like it or comment on my post either. So skip over that. But um, <laughs> first, don't act, don't act dumb. I didn't see you like it, and I didn't see you comment. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, God. <laughs> he said, you see me posting my guys. I said, I don't see you like it, nor oh, did I see you like oh, comment. Oh, because I don't like your post. I get it. Okay, <laughs> okay, it, But you okay. want to say it. That's okay. <laughs> I get it. Thanks. I got you're you. right. I probably okay. won't comment. If you want me to comment, I'm going to comment on the guy's you know, like skill set and be like, oh, Joe's the one teaching you? No wonder you look like that. There we go. All right. I'm going to do it, Joe. Next time you post one of your dudes, I'm going to leave a comment. I'm all about it now. Ten boy. Ride him. Ride him. Because I can't be the only one. Ugh. All right. So to answer the question, so on there's so many different levels, but if I'm going to pick one level right now, and this is the one I'm sticking with, um, I always ask the people, ask the detailer, how many customers do you have? If they say 20 or if they say 250, my situation is how many cars do you do a month out of your 250 and your clients? Because I used to have like 3,000 clients, right? So how I leveled up on my business was I started calling every last one of them, trying to put them on a routine schedule. That's how I came up with this 160, turn it to $100 if you stay with me very, every single month. And it gives me 10 cars a day at $100 when I was doing regular washes. So if you have 20, I would say get those 20 people on a tight-knit schedule to do them every two weeks or once a month and ask them to refer you for some form of a discount. Because remember, no customers in between is no money, but 80% of $100, give that customer $20 for actually referring. The $20 could be taken off of a um, detail, or you can literally give them $20. I give $100 for a coating because my coatings are about $1,500. So anybody that refers a coating, I give $100. If you do 10 of them, I literally will give you $1,000. So again, 
that's how I work with my referrals and it keeps me busy because people want to see that hundred dollars. Okay. That's a great advice. That's great advice. Use yeah. referral marketing. Love it. Great advice. Yeah. Corey, uh, and I see you're kind of working a little bit. So glad to see uh, you're still in with us. How do you handle that question when you see it? You know, I, I got to grow my business. How do I do it? I would say you shouldn't be on the group asking that particular question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The thing that I was told in a a private group is because, I mean, I was still, you know, real, not slow, but beginning stuff. Anyway, they pretty much told me, why don't you look around whether it's right next, if it's right next door, good luck. But if you're a little bit further down or this and that, and at least because I was in that particular group go and look at these other guys and how big their shops are. And if they're running a pretty big shop, why don't you go talk to them and see how they're running it and how they actually scaled their business? Cause that's real world stuff. That's not just some dude online, you know, some keyboard warrior telling you, Oh, just go do this, this and that. And you'll be good. Actually go talk to a, a business that's been around for like 10, 15 years. And they actually know what the hell they're doing. Cause obviously they've been around for 10, 15 years. They're doing something right. And but if just, you're gonna try, you know, to talk don't try to, those... to go to the dude next door. It's not gonna happen. They're because now you're competing, so they're they're probably not gonna help you. That's great advice, Corey. It is great advice, and I think people could go outside of the industry, right? They could go to a yeah. landscape company. They could go to a pest control. Anybody that's in service based business, home cleaning stuff like that, mm-hmm. would be a great person to ask how they were able to grow their business up. Now. Give them some respect. Maybe you should offer some trade. Hey, if I can pick your brain for 30 minutes, I'll give you a detail. I'll be out there. I'll clean your car, bring it in, whichever. Yeah, especially like you said, if it's a different business as well. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it's not all about just, oh, I want this product, this, this, and that, and that's going to save your ass. No, dude, it's probably more business-minded. It's something you're doing in your business that's keeping you from upscaling. So right. if you even talk to somebody outside, you're even detailing, you're probably going to learn something and go, oh, shit, that's exactly. my aha moment. Now, all of a sudden, I got 20 more people. But that guy that's been in it 10 years isn't just going to give away 30 minutes of his time. Yeah, for oh, no yeah. Reason. oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. you don't do not disrespect somebody by just exactly. saying, hey, let me have the answers. You yep. got to have something that's what to I've trade. Learned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got to have something to trade. That's great exactly. advice, Corey. Great advice. Joe Clean's got his hand up. Yeah, one thing I'd like to add, add value. So if you have 20 customers, you can ask Marty what's a new product that he has and actually go to the uh, customer and say, hey, I have a new product. And with the 20 customers you have, you can actually add 20, 50 or $100 just by adding the slick to it or adding any kind of leather conditioner, just the people that you have, because growing is all about the finances. It's not all about working and working and working. So if you can keep 20 customers paying you 20 grand a year, let's just make a crazy number. That's good math for a detailer. So if you can add value, that's a way to grow uh, um, your business versus trying to look for a new customer to do the same mediocre work. And you still have to keep looking for customers. Okay. I like it. I like it. John from Rhineshine. My only advice to growing any business is Stop listening to people who have not done it and who have not already in the success mode. So find somebody around you that that you look at, whether it's your industry or not, 
you don't want to listen to a homeless man and, and talk about real estate, uh, you know, find somebody who has already succeeded and offer value to them and just work for them, work with them and just pop in, just talk and talk to them. Don't ask them for anything and just, you know, most of the time, most people like that will actually give you the respect to talk to them um, just because you're automatically giving the respect of, hey, I appreciate what you've built here. We appreciate what you've done. So patience is the biggest thing. People who want to push it so far, so fast and, and add so many things and vans and employees and shops, they burn themselves out because they can't afford to pay everybody. So I just say stop asking the people who haven't succeeded. And if it boils down to friends and family that haven't succeeded, well, then don't listen to their advice or the keyboard warriors or the people online. Find somebody locally that you can actually look at. Okay, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right, Derek. I think it's time. Time for the tab out question of the night. All righty, guys. So this one needs some interesting answers. I want to hear what you guys have to say for this one. So you're returning the keys to the customer and there's a slight issue during the detail and you got to tell them, but are you the kind of person that tells them right up front or do you wait until the end? Oh, all right. So it's a like good news, bad news, right? Like, yeah. Hey, here's the good news. We, we did great carpet clean. Here's the bad news. Uh, you got a stain that didn't come out. Right. Or, you know, Hey, uh, Bad news, uh, this scratch that we really want to try and get out, it didn't come out. But good news is, you know, we got this uh, really great two-year protectant we put on a dose. And, you know, even though this scratch didn't come out, man, the rest of your paint looks amazing. Your maintenance is going to be phenomenal. Good news or bad news first? That's that's a great one. What about you? Are you, uh, do you go into it good news first or bad news first? What do you do? Um. I've learned over the years to, I, if, as soon as I run into a problem, I tell a customer immediately, I stop working and tell them immediately. I don't even mess around. Um, I've taken pictures of stuff and I saw something broken just to kind of cover it. And then I'll tell the customer, Hey, just, just so you know, um, the other day we did a car where the, the car had been repainted and I guess the customer didn't know. So I took a picture of the door just to show them. But they end up being a good news because they were they did not know when they bought the car. So I was the hero. And then we ended up, they said it was nothing they could do about it. So and I coded it. It was still a it was great for me. So, but it, tell them up front, I don't wait till the end because I don't want to be like, of course, code looks great. But you know, this is giant scratch I couldn't get out. And they're like, what the hell? Because then then you gotta go back and polish it, maybe polish it out, and there's like a whole other thing. So it's like forget it. I'm not, I'm just gonna tell you up front, I can't get that out before I start. All right. So you're a bad news first kind of guy. Yep. Okay. Antonio, what about you, man? Is it bad news first or is it good news? No, it's bad news. The same thing that Derek was saying that I found that like, say you're doing a one-step correction on the car and you see nothing crazy. You're just doing an enhancement. I'm throwing, throwing dose on there, but I see a scratch and maybe the client didn't see it. It's something that like, Oh, maybe they didn't bring up already but they're going to see it because now the car looks perfect or perfect in their eyes. But then there's a scratch on the rear quarter panel. I'm like, Hey, by the way, I try to get this out with all due respect. I, it would take me wet sanding and buffing and all that stuff. But for them to see that I tried to do something first without them knowing per se, like just do a little extra form. I already had my buffer out doing the enhancement. Let me see if I can go over this real quick. I found that 
giving that bad news, even though it wasn't bad news to them already, because they didn't know about it, um, has created kind of like, oh, he's kind of going the extra mile for me, even though he wasn't able to do it. Yeah. If that makes All sense. right. So bad. We got two bad news, even though both of you kind of skirted your own question, Derek. You were like, well, I'm going to prep and I'm going to take pictures. And I'm going to tell them early. Right. Yeah. But your question was, I'm taking some keys back up to the customer. So keys oh. back up to the customer. Oh, yeah. You guys are I, bad I a, news first. Yes. Oh, most certainly. Well, I have a, I had a specific situation. Toyota okay. Sequoia. It was awful. I mean, it was. It was one of those things, of course, she took pictures of it and it wasn't that bad. You know, I quoted her a number over the phone, which we all make mistakes, you know, that's what it is. I showed up, I do it. And I, I don't know if she thought I was going to get it done, but I just banged out the interior real quick or the best I could shampoo as many stains out as I could. I mean, I was there six, seven hours, you know, when you're bent over backwards in a job, you underquoted, but I'm kind of locked in. It's one of my client's friends and I told him I could get, get it done for her. But then as soon as I gave her the keys like, Hey, by the way, so and so, that that interior, I, I couldn't get it done for you. Okay, I can do the best I could. It looks better. It doesn't look that good. And she was like, "All right, you know, with all the right, she thought it was worse. That's why she tried to hide it. I guess I kind of like mm. called her out on her BS, and uh, <laughs> it, it ended up being a good thing for me. Now she's a permanent client for me. I do her car all the time. You know, so it's one of those things that I've always found that bad news comes first, and then the good news can come after. Derek. I mean, uh, like, like, literally, Antonio just said, I, I had to give someone the bad news. Uh, I had a lady sending us into here, Toyota um, Camry. And for some reason, there was glass in the car. Like, they had broken a window. I don't know what went on. They said they got into a fight, and I didn't, I just didn't question her when the lady told me. But there was a horrible stain that she wanted me to get out, and I could only, like, it was that she wasn't budging. So, same thing. At the end, I told her, I gave her the hand her the key back and I said, listen, that stain you showed me, like, oh, how long has it been there? Because I couldn't, I couldn't get it to budge. And she's like, oh, it's been there for like, since I had the car. And it was like a 97. And I was like, well, but same thing. She kind of knew it was bad. So she just said, but when she looked in, she goes, oh, it looks 10 times better. So it kind of worked out, but I'm still a bad news. Give me the bad news first kind of guy. All right. We got two bad newsers first. Lucas, are you going to make it three or are you going to go two to one? What are you doing? Uh, so, my old boss told me you never want to call a client with a problem. You always want to call them with a solution. So the one time that I had to make like a real call when I, uh, I'm not even going to pretend like I didn't burn through the paint. I buzzed right over an edge on a brand new painted Mustang. I mean, this, it was freshly painted, not even a month old. And I buzzed right down to the metal over a corner because it was so thin and the rest of the paint pegged decently thick. And I just, right down to the metal on an edge right on the front and before i called the customer i got two shop estimates from two of my buddies that own body shops and i called the customer and i said hey listen i can get this is what happened and uh, you know it's my fault i totally understand um the issue and i got a shop here and i got a shop there i can take it to either one of these two this afternoon and have it fixed I'm more than happy for you to take it to your whatever shop you want as well. And I'll happily pay for that area to be repainted, whatever it's going to take to get it back to where it was. So you let me know. And he was like blown away that I called him and told him that I already had a place I could bring it that day to get in line for a respray. So he's like, Nope, I trust you. You 
you know, I, uh, I get it. Shit happens. So it all worked out and, you know, it cost me, you know, 300 bucks to have a panel resprayed, but still it was, uh, it's a lot better to call someone with a, a way to fix it before you call them. So I always, you know, if a stain isn't coming out or a smell isn't coming out, or if it's a quality issue, that's one thing, that's something I can solve. If not, I'll call the customer and say, Hey, listen, um, you know, I'm, I've tried this. I'm more than happy to try something else. You know, this is another step we could take. If that's something you'd like to pursue, I'm more than happy to try that. If not, I understand, but this is where we are. Um, yeah. So that's just kind of where I, I, I kind of fall. I try to call with a solution, not a problem. Okay. All right. Appreciate that. That's great advice. Dustin, what about you, man? You're get a customer that walked up detail. Didn't go exactly the way you had thought it was going to be. Do you, do you show them all the good stuff that you did and then show them the, what didn't come out or do you just go right into the bad stuff first? So you'd think Lucas and I rehearsed before the pub tonight about what we're <laughs> going to talk about. But uh, So I had this WRX in the shop and she had this gnarly scratch from the, from the front driver door uh, clear to the quarter panel. And I had fixed this thing. She was freaking out like, please, you know, how to, can you fix it? Fix this gnarly scratch, man. Look, 99% better out in the sun. You'd have never seen it. So back quarter panel, there was one spot that was real deep. I was going to touch up paint and then polish it in. Well, what do you know? Burnt through the, I actually put the polisher up and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just do this one last, last little thing. Boom, penny size, burnt through the clear. I was like, damn it. And so put it outside. Or next morning, she's coming to pick it up, put it outside, looked pretty damn good. And she goes, she walks in, she's like, wow, it looks amazing. I said, well, yes, it does. But here's the deal. I burnt through the paint. It's a penny size. I already called the body shop. You have an appointment on the 26th. Please drop the vehicle off here on the 25th. Uh, the body shop will have it for two days, and you can stop back by and pick it up here again from my shop. So uh, I don't sweat the big problems. You know, I try not to because it doesn't do, any, do you any good. Um, just find a solution, and it is what it is. Okay. All right. Joe Clean, they say people are crazy in Florida, but, you know, I always tell them, hey, we got Joe Clean down there, and life is good. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's depending on where I'm at in the detail. If soon as I got there, I'm, I'm going on the basis of if I damage something, that's what I'm going to go off of. So if I damage something, right, if I'm halfway through the detail, almost done, I'm going to complete that detail because I'm in the service-based business. And there were some things that I thought was my issue, but it was something where, like, say, for instance, you roll up the seat forward and then it don't want to go back. And it's like, come on, bro. You know what I mean? Like, how did it get stuck with me? But here, no day, I had a seat that wouldn't go back, wouldn't go back. I finished the entire car. <laughs> and then I came and told the customer. Because my thinking is, since I get paid for service, I have to complete a job case if I had to pay for something. Oh, it's coming out of the money that I use. We're going to say that you had to pay me to complete the car. Because if I get there, pull the seats forward, say that was my first job I did, pull the seats forward and tell the customer, and then they tell me, you broke it. I'll be like, how the hell, but you know what I mean? I pulled it for. I have to now take the last customer's car that I did to pay for that current car. 
I never liked doing that. So therefore I will complete the job. The money that I got from completing that job, which is quality, now compensates for that other, for the problem that we have. And it's like an offset situation. But again, my situation was the customer said, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you. We had fought to get it back, but it stuck for it again because I pushed it forward. But again, I completed the job first. Okay, but when do you tell them? I tell them at the very end when the job is done. The do you go over on, the Do you go over the car and the rest of the stuff you did, and then you tell them what happened? Negative? Oh no! I will come straight outside. Um, say, for instance, if it's not a problem of something being broke, but it's some scratches, the first thing I do with the person is show them the scratches that didn't come out. So that's the first thing I do. If so you're, it's not a, about you're, a, you're a, here's what didn't work. And then here's what's great. Exactly. Cause now he's on your gonna, team. As soon as they walk up to the car, Oh my God, it's better than day at the dealership. They do this whole circus dance. And <laughs> that's usually when they're walking towards the car. So as soon as we get up to the car, I take them to the parts where it look, this didn't, this was too deep and so on and so forth. This is what we talked about. Yeah. I made it look a little good, but here, this is this. I showed them every, all that first get that out the way and now we can start playing around again well okay all right yeah. john from ryan shine uh i'm pretty much like lucas uh i will always uh have other people that i know in case things happen um and i've learned in the many years that uh you complete the job you complete everything else because the last thing they want is to have a job that's halfway through and then you're like okay well no i don't want to proceed but man this looks like crap because you only got halfway done so complete the job um and then give them a solution saying yeah hey i did this um i literally i i had a panel that right. was broke okay but john you're windows. you're giving the keys back to the customer do you tell them the negative stuff first or the positive what what so, way do you go you you just I don't want that conscious laying on me. So I will always deliver the bad news first. Always. All and then right. give you them a solution. You had a, you had a car that came in. You were going to give a story. And then basically, yeah. So um, she didn't tell me that the window was broke, that her grandkids broke and her husband tried to play as though I broke it. And so Ooh. she called me later on that evening yeah, because I said, well, let me know. Go ahead and bring it back tomorrow. I have, a real good friend of mine who's a mechanic. I'll have to take a look at it. The wife brought it back and she says, I want you to go ahead and fix it, but I want you to charge me for it because my grandkids broke it. And the fact that my husband told you that you broke it, because I didn't know, I had no clue. I, we didn't roll down windows just to check every single window, but when we tried to clean the windows, we always roll the windows down so we could clean that top piece. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's just coming to bat me in the butt. So I literally, if there's anything that happens, I deliver the bad news right off the bat, just just to cover my butt because I, I just I don't want that weighing on my shoulders. Yeah, I get it. All right, so I'm with everybody. If I've damaged a car or something that's happened during the detail, absolutely right. Get your ducks in a row. Great advice, Lucas and everybody, John, anybody that had put that out there, Dustin, I think everybody pretty much kind of said like, if you have damage, you got to get your ducks in a row, present a solution. Wonderful. Absolutely agree. I will be different than everybody else on when I'm returning the keys to a customer and whether it's a carpet stain or I'll give an example of a GMC that came in probably 
eight, 10 months ago, something like that earlier this year, they had had a bunch of staining all over their metal trim. Right. Uh, actually, no, the, the guy that he owned a GMC, it was a, uh, it was a Tesla. Nick, if you remember, I actually sent you a message going, Hey, I think we got this, you know, and it was basically just needed to, to, to hand polish it out. Right. So I found a solution, but when I return the car back to the customer, the customer comes to pick it up. Do I immediately share to him where some of the staining didn't come all the way out? Or do I show him all the great places that it came out and how amazing the car looked? There's actually some psychology to this. So this is the way I do it. Joe, when that customer shows, oh, it's amazing, amazing, amazing. I like to play into that. It is amazing. And here's what all we did. And I'll go through as many things as I knew that they were interested in or things that I knew that I fixed and they didn't even know whether that's a carpet stain or the other day when we had the Grand Wagoneer in, the customer didn't know that their son had spilled a strawberry milkshake underneath the seat. Mm. I showed her very quickly after we opened the door where she, I said, oh, does the sun sit here? Yeah, oh, you probably didn't know there was a strawberry milkshake down there. Oh, I did, right? Didn't know all these things that I was doing. And then you go over the, for me, this is mine, right? I like to start with the positive, get the customer going positive, positive, positive. Then the negatives aren't as bad. You got to think of it this way as a deposit and subtraction in a bank. And I learned this under uh, some, some counseling stuff that I'd done previously in a former life is when you're, we're working through a, something that is negative, the more additions to the account that you can give, then the final balance is going to be a lot higher when there's a negative withdrawal, right? You follow me? So line up as much positives, as much deposits to it. Then when the negatives need to come out, it doesn't subtract away from the overall balance of the feeling of what you did. And then I like to reiterate then the positives. So my cycle actually went, here's how amazing it is. Here are all the great things. Look at the way this looks. Oh, by the way, you had something that I fixed. Okay. Now this area that you had an issue on, here's what didn't quite come all the way out. Here's what hasn't worked. Here's the things that, and for her, especially the Grand Wagoneer, she had paint nibs that were still in the paint. I talked to her about the burn marks that I got out. And then I go, right here, you still have a paint nib. Right here, you still have some dust in your paint. Here's the negatives that I saw on your vehicle. But oh, by the way, everything else came out great. Like you saw these other ones that you didn't know. I got those out. And we finished the conversation on a high note. So I like to go high, low, and then finish high so that my deposits of high versus low is always going to be in the positive, if that makes sense. It makes so, sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I see. That I saw sense. you talking about the VH1 effect. Like you get them all hype and then you go into the drama. Um, I try to do it the opposite <laughs> way. But at the end of the day, you do what I do as well, because I do let the customer, you know, they hey, it's pretty, pretty, pretty. Yeah, it's pretty. They dance into it. And then I show them. But we still leave on a positive note. So that is basically what I do, but I do me. What comes out of my mouth is the negative. 
because I want them to leave on the positive note. So you said it at the end, but when it's just hype first and then down, that's just, if it would have stayed that down, that's reality shows for me. I hate that. If you ever watch a reality <laughs> show, they always come no. to the bar all nice and pretty and then they leave throwing liquor at each other. And it's like, Jesus, you know, it's the same pattern, but you came back up with it. Yeah, you always got to finish with positive. You got to leave the customer go. with something positive. Always. That's what yeah. they'll hang their hat on. So yeah. great question, Derek. Great question great for the question. tab out. Love it. Joe Clean, thanks for hopping on. Dustin, yeah. great to see you. Uh, well, not you, but seeing the hyperclean bottles. Safe travels down there in Florida. Uh, cooking with Nick. Everybody go to it's underscore grooms. You can take a look at whatever that ink stuff is that he put in that pasta. I'm not sure. I don't know. But it looked amazing, and we're it looking forward amazing. to seeing your results on it's underscore grooms. Lucas, brother, good to see you again, man. Love always what you put into community and, and all the different talks that you give. So thanks so much. Martinez, always great to have you in the background, brother. And uh, one day we'll get you to say hi. John from Ryan Shine, man. Uh, thank you so much. Great advice. And tell your wife hello and uh, hope everything's good there. You guys have a great night and uh, wish you guys all the best. Hope you make it a great day. All right. Well, yeah. See you guys. See you. See you. Have a good one, guys. Later. Hey, this is Marshall. What a fun episode because we dove into a lot of great questions that I know you have seen and you've probably also had thoughts in your own mind of how to handle them. You know, this is what we do here at Community. Huh? This is what's so great about it. So come be a part further. You know how to take your business to the next level. You know how to get to the next. You know what to do. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. So if you don't, you'd love to know some input. Hey, come join us at the HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook. It's a great place for you to get information on how to better yourself, how to better your car life, how to better your detailing. It's what it's about. So come, come join us. HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook. Interact, ask questions. You're going to love community. This is Marshall, and I hope you make it a great day.